0: Live and local, this is the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone, it's a Saints touchdown! It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the blonde bomber, Jordy Holtberg. a well, great
1: good afternoon and welcome aboard on this Tuesday, September 20th, the year 2022. Give me that quarterback in Buffalo. Heck, give me that quarterback in Philadelphia. You don't tell you don't think quarterbacks are everything when it comes to the NFL? <laughs> they are. And because of that, the Buffalo Bills keep cruising, and the Philadelphia Eagles took care of business. ...against the Minnesota Vikings. Good afternoon. Welcome, everybody. Great to be here with you. Yes, live in studio. The game studio. On this uh, Tuesday, great to be here with you. My main man, James Mesh, back in the... I can see him. He's in the master control suite. Got the headsets on. He's He's got 15 different computer screens in front of him. Buttons here, there, and everywhere. I don't know how he does it, but I'm thankful that he does. He's on the campus. We are on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We say hello to our good friends in Lake Charles on 1041. We are um, coming to you around the globe as we are uh, on 1037thegame.com, 1041 thegamecom If you happen to be in Acadiana near a TV set, well, pop on the television because we are, also, simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber.
0: Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines.
1: Buffalo, easy winner. At Blitzkrieg, the Tennessee Titans. And Jalen Hurts threw it, ran it, and the Eagles took care of business and a double dip of Monday Night Football last night: the Eagles over uh, the Minnesota Vikings. Quarterbacks are everything. The big question now going around: Should Jameis Winston have played um, Saturday, Sunday against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Well, is he going to play this Sunday? In uh, I hate to say it, it's only Week Three, but it's a must-win scenario. For the New Orleans Saints, as they travel to Carolina, Carolina's 0-2 and they are at home. That is a dangerous um, area to enter into if you are the New Orleans Saints. Ha- tip of the cap, the golden era of Houston Astros baseball. It just rolls on. The Astros clinched its fifth American League West title in six seasons by beating... The Tampa Bay Rays 4-zip at Tropicana Field. Man, the, they blasted the over-under in Vegas. They're on their way to getting yet another 100-win season, um, despite losing players like Garrett Cole and George Springer and Carlos Correa in free agency the past few years. Um, it, it's a well-run organization from top to bottom, Management, scouting department, developmental prog- uh, department, it is, uh, it is something. It is something. The Astros' magic number to clinch the top seed is seven over the Yankees as they try to nail down the best record in the American League. Uh, with the win, the Astros earned a bye in the AL Division Series, uh, for which they will have home field Advantage. We'll delve deeper into that. LSU football, uh, the Tigers, welcome New Mexico to Death Valley this weekend and what will be the first ever contest between the two programs. The Lobos are in their third season under coach Danny Gonzalez, who has an eclipse, three wins in a season in Albuquerque, but is currently two and one on the year, coming off a convincing 27 to 10 win against a UTEP team that made a bowl last year. Uh, the Tigers are 2-1. and one. As of right now, they are a 31-point favorite for Saturday night's game, which kicks off at 6.30 p.m. in Tiger Stadium. The Raging Cajuns, a little slice of humble pie as they went to Rice and got beat. Their offense has issues. Defense was good, uh, but the offense really let them down in that one. There, and They just couldn't Couldn't get it done. They are going to Monroe, and everybody thinks this is going to be a cakewalk for the Cajuns. They're a nine-point road favorite in this one, but never underestimate a conference team coming off a tough loss, going back home. Uh, They'll they'll pay attention to detail. Coach Bowden and company, uh, I'm not so sure this is going to be an easy one for the Ragin' Cajuns in any way, shape, or form. And if not... Saturday, then you might as well just say never. Because if McNeese can't beat Mississippi College, they can't beat anybody. They just can't. They can't. Let me tell you about our show uh, today. Matthew Bruni will join us. Uh, LSU special teams, we've seen, it's, it was like that Clint Eastwood movie The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. We've seen a little bit of everything this year with them. Uh, that's one of those areas. Now, Brian Kelly's stressing it. He says he's going to have a more hands-on approach to special teams with Brian Polian, the only coach he brought with him from Notre Dame to Baton Rouge. So we'll we'll delve into that aspect with uh, Matthew Bruni. And this is a game where you should be able to rest people that are nicked up, banged up, because you go on the road to take on Auburn after this. Auburn faces a tough one as Missouri comes to the Plains. There's all kinds of talk yet again about their head coach, Brian Harsin, after Auburn was humiliated at home in prime time by the Penn State Nittany Lions. So who knows? Heck, if, if Auburn loses to Missouri Saturday, they may do to Brian Harson what Arizona State did to Herm Edwards. Did y'all see that? Herm Edwards gets beat. He's walking off the field. The president and the athletic director in the end zone. They didn't even wait for him to get on the tarmac or anything like that, like Lane Kiffin did at USC. They fired him on the field as he was walking off the field after that loss. They may do the same thing to Brian Harson. Who knows? The, the, the beat goes on, and the what have you done for me now category of college football paying these coaches these extravagant figures and as ed orgeron said when told there was 17 million dollars waiting for him and uh, they were going to pay it all he said tell me when you want me to leave and what door you want me to go out of and that's what these coaches are doing yeah you fire me good pay me the money and i can go relax on the beach so anyway, our guest, Matthew Bruni, starts things off. We mentioned the Astros winning yet again. What, a, what an organization when you think about it uh, from top to bottom. They lose great players to free agency. Their farm system keeps bringing up better players. They bring in free agents. They're, they have a pitching staff. They've got a bullpen. They are loaded. The question now. Can the Astros get it done and win the World Series? Randy McElvoy covers the Astros in Houston. He'll join us at around 2.30 this afternoon. We'll change things up at hour number two. Bob Rose flying back from New Orleans. He's the jinx. He was the jinx for the Saints in Tampa Bay. You heard about Mike Evans suspended for one game. What a cheap shot artist. What a chicken. Oh, my God. I can't stand him and his foolish antics. He he's brave when you can't see him. Notice he never does anything when he's in plain sight. Only when he's stealth and you don't find him does he, does he attack you. He's worthless. He's, I don't want him on my team at all. Anyway, Bob Rose... Um, The black and gold report will be around 3 o'clock. Blake Lavelle will join us at 14 Southeastern. We'll go around the SEC. What a huge game. Arkansas at Texas A&M. That's a big one for Sam Pittman and the Hogs. That would be a good one. Um, For all you golfers out there, we've got a good one this weekend. It's the President's Cup. USA versus the international team. Everybody from across the pond except Europe. And the U.S. is a heavy, heavy favorite at Quail Hollow. Alex Myers of Golf Digest will join us for that one. So that's our guest lineup today. We're going to be here from 2 till 4 this afternoon. And don't forget now that the NFL action is in full swing at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings' stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100% with payouts bigger than ever. Why bet on football anywhere else? To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day, all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code 1037GAME to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code 1037 game only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, physically present in Louisiana. Select parishes only. Bonus issued as is free bets, one boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. Parlay and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility and terms at DraftKings.com slash football terms. Licensee partner, Golden Nugget Lake Charles. Gambling problem? Call one 877 770 stop. That's 1 877 770 7867. We'll take our first time out of the day when we come back. Matthew Bruni, go 247. Tigers, special teams, getting ready for the Lobos of New Mexico here on the Jordy Helper Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros.
0: Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: The world-famous Angola Prison Rodeo is back. And the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with tickets. You can lasso a family four-pack of tickets to the Sunday, October 2nd show by simply texting the word Rodeo, R-O-D-E-O, to 337-283-8100. That's Rodeo to 337-283-8100. That's a family four-pack of tickets to the Angola Prison Rodeo, courtesy of the Game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Before we talk a little bit of LSU football, Baseball America magazine yesterday ranked LSU's 2022 recruiting class of high school and junior college players number one in the nation. Tigers boost six players in the Bayfall America Top 500 list of Major League Baseball draft prospects. That's the most of any school in the country. Tigers begin full squad fall practice on October the 7th. So the highest-rated player is uh, right-handed pitcher Jaden Newt, who is number 71 overall. So pretty good. And some other news, the Boston Celtics have... Painted Bill Russell's number six in the free throw lanes of their parquet floor as part of a season-long tribute planned for the Hall of Famer who died this summer. Um, so that that's a pretty cool deal. Number six inside the paint, where Bill Russell dominated for decades um, as uh, the ultimate winner for the Boston Celtics. Um, so LSU goes out of conference. They're taking on New Mexico, the Lobos. We told you Eddie Nuñez was a former associate athletic director at LSU. He's now the AD for New Mexico. They're going to get 1.6 million to come down here. Um and look, is, this is still a work in progress. Have the Tigers improved from the opener to now? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's no question about that. You 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 take the the Southern game out of the equation, uh, far better uh, execution, far better um, game management across the board uh, against Mississippi State. And the results, proof is in the pudding. We told you yesterday, Jay Ward and B.J. Ogilari, the SEC Defensive Player of the Week and the Defensive Lineman of the Week in Ogilari. Uh, Speaking of line, it's uh, LSU once again shuffling things um and I I've got to believe um you know Anthony Bradford was was had a little disciplinary issue. He was on the sideline, not dressed out. I don't know what that discipline issue was, but he missed a game and he, he got Wally pipped, I think, by Amory Jones. Of course, Wally Pip, in case you don't know, in case you're not old enough, Wally Pip was the first baseman for the New York Yankees. He called in sick. He missed a game. His replacement was a guy named Lou Gehrig, and as they say, the rest is history. So I mean, Emory Jones started and um, did pretty well as a freshman in his first career start against a pretty darn good team. So uh, I don't know if Bradford's going to get back in the lineup, but it's nice to have competition and you know with with Bradford out. Uh, redshirt sophomore Miles Frazier went from right tackle to right guard. And true freshman Emery Jones from Catholic High in, New I- in Baton Rouge made his first career start. He was a left tackle in high school. He's now a starting right tackle for LSU. So he will see. In case you missed it, the SEC announced yesterday that the LSU-Auburn game next weekend is set for 6 p.m. And you, Of course, you can listen to that game here at 1037 uh, in Lafayette, 1041 in Lake Charles. Special teams is a point of emphasis, and it's something that Brian Kelly said he's going to get a feel for. We saw in Florida State the good. Damian Ramos made a 36-yard field goal. Jay Bramlett had a 56-yard punt, but, boy, did we see the bad. Ramos had a field goal and an extra point blocked because of bad blocking. Malik Neighbors muffed not one, but two punts neither one led to a Florida State score but still you lost possession of the football and a chance for your offense to do some things uh Harold Perkins had an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty on a kickoff return and Bramlett had a poor 31-yard punt so that was basically the point of emphasis in game number 1 and Game number two against Southern, uh, Xavier Carter on the opening kickoff, forced to fumble. Tigers recovered. Sage Ryan did at the Jaguars' 15-yard line. Tigers marched in for a touchdown. Uh, the bad, a pair of 20-plus-yard kickoff returns for Southern. So you weigh the good, you weigh the bad. And, and what LSU's looking for is that perfect mix where there is no bad. There is no bad. Against State, uh, Bramlett was terrific. His length and his hang time was, uh, was outstanding. The former Notre Dame Fighting Irisher uh, when, it punt, um, when he punted. The, uh, the hang time was so good that it caused the Mississippi State return man to fumble it. Great hustle, great effort by Slade Roy to get in a position to recover the punt. Now Slade Roy is the snapper, so he got things done. Along those lines, uh, Ramos made his only field goal attempt from 35 yards to keep LSU close in the third quarter. Um, the bad. Uh, you know, there's that there's that cutoff line, right? Every coach says you stand on the 10-yard line, the ball goes over your head, you let it bounce, you hope it goes in the end zone. Well, Gregory Clayton, who replaced Neighbors after week one, uh, fielded a punt. Inside the three-yard line. Yeah. And that's that's a breach of punt return protocol right there. Uh, no question. Uh, he also dove into a crowd at the LSU 41 to cover a bouncing punt that he barely recovered. I don't know what he was thinking there. Let the ball bounce. Both times. Let it bounce. If it stops near the goal line, well, that's okay. Uh, that's okay. But, man. And also – Mississippi State had punt returns of 22 and 26 yards and had an 88-yard kickoff return nullified by a holding penalty. So still in all, some things are better. Better ball security, okay, some poor decisions in the return game, and some poor tackling in the return game. So there is no such thing as perfection, but uh, LSU needs to get better with they're special teams. Um, it, it, look, it's not just on the players; it's just not on the coaches. Whatever it is, it's a little, it's a little bit of both. Are they getting are the coaches getting their message across? And one thing I always remembered about Nick Saban, he he wasn't afraid to put his best players on special teams. He valued it that, but you know his old credo. You win the game with defense, field position, offense, just don't screw it up. That was his approach. We're going to run. We're going to selectively throw the ball, but our defense is going to win the game, and our kicking game is going to win the game. And he would put – I remember Jarvis Landry going down there uh, on, on on kick kickoffs and punt returns, and he, he'd be the gunner, and he loved it. Put your best athletes on the field – in that situation, because they valued special teams and the players valued being on special teams. So you can't call LSU's special teams special. So we're just going to call them the LSU teams as of right now. They've got to they've got to earn the name special, because right now they are anything but that. So another opportunity to improve against New Mexico, plain and simple. Mexico's 2-1 overall, 0-1 in the Mountain West, the lone loss to conference opponent Boise State. Um, Look, you can't take anybody lightly. Just ask LSU about UAB. Just ask LSU about Troy. You can't take anything for granted. And two weeks ago, the Sunbelt Conference made a splash when three of its teams beat Power five opponents. So I'm sure Brian Kelly and staff are playing some clips of Marshall winning, App State winning, you know, just you, you can't take anybody for granted. And what LSU wants to do is they want to get incrementally better because after this, the cupcakes are over and you head into conference play. You never know what you're going to get with Auburn. One of the toughest places in all of SEC football to play, who knows how what kind of mood they're going to be in. Are they are they going to try and be saving their coach's uh, job? Um, or will he, if they lose to Missouri, will they have a new coach, an interim coach? <coughs> so we shall see. Excuse me. We shall see on that end. Um, So special teams, point of emphasis, can we get better? Got to get better. Plain and simple. Again, LSU favored by... 31 as we speak over the Lobos. All right, time is running out for you to score tickets to see the Houston Astros live in person. Go register in the Game Rewards Club to win four tickets to see Houston take on Tampa Bay Saturday, October 1st. We'll even throw in a tour of the ballpark and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. This is the last Astros weekend giveaway of the regular season. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher A.C., Lay Meridian Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. The magic number is seven. Seven wins by the Astros down the stretch or seven losses, uh, The com- combination of the two by the Yankees. And the Astros will have uh, home field advantage for as long as they're in the American League playoffs. Something to shoot for. All right. It is 28 minutes after the hour. We're going to take a timeout when we come back. We're heading to Houston to talk about those Astros. AL Central champs yet again. Randy McElvoy will join us here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the Houston Astros. Stay with us. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the
0: hip
2: and a man who's hip when he shoots.
0: And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
1: We are back and uh, great to be with you here on this Tuesday, September 20th. Um, got to be honest with you, it's like planes, trains, and automobiles having some difficulty uh, right now reaching Randy McElvoy. But um, Matthew Bruni is going to hop on board with us. Uh, he was uh, detained for a second, and uh, we're, we're efforting to call him now. So, uh, um, hang in there with us, folks. Uh, welcome to live. Broadcasting, sometimes things go a little awry, but that's okay. Um, We'll get it all done, and we'll figure it all out. So, again, the Astros clinch the AL West in a first-round bye to the American League Division Series. And um, now we'll see how far they go. Look, they've had a great season. Now they've got to cap it all off. They, they've got to win a World Series. It's going to be tough. But, 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 before we get to that, let's talk some Tigers uh, with our good friend Matthew Bruni from Go247 Sports. Matthew, uh, great to have you, buddy. Thank you. I, I'm glad you hopped on, buddy. Everything's good? Yep, every,
3: everything's good. Everything's good over here. All right. um, ready to go. Ready to talk to What's few.
1: Uh, what's the the theme for a game where you're favored by 31, it's a non-conference game. You're going to win. So what? What is uh, what is LSU focusing on? You think this week?
3: Uh, consistency was the big thing. Coach Kelly talked about to this pressure presser, and I think that's actually a really good point. It's not as cliche as when other coaches say because of because of how fresh this program is, how fresh the players are. You know, there's still so much to learn and improve on. I think consistency is probably. The main thing—it's not just going out and winning. You have to improve significantly from one week to the next. So, I think there's a lot they need to improve on still, and I think that's that's where they're focused. So, I think consistency okay. in their preparation, as Coach Kelly said, it's not as cliche as I think it sounds.
1: I'm with you. um What's been the most improvement you've seen from? I take the Southern game out of the equation uh, from Florida State through Mississippi State. Where have you seen the most improvement? I
3: think. I think, Jaden, I think the offensive line has improved. Uh-huh. They've been shuffling it around so much right. that we I questioned if it was ever going to get to a point where they would hold up against a team like Mississippi State. And, I mean, they, they might have found something that worked with Emory Jones at, at right tackle. So I think that that's uh, a huge development that they have him and that they have some depth now with Anthony Bradford coming back. Uh, that's probably the biggest thing because the offensive line looks so um, – Un- unorganized, you know, um, really a mess against Florida State. So for them to be able to play the way they did against Mississippi State, I think it's probably the biggest thing for me. And then uh, probably uh, Greg Brooks back at, at safety, I thought, I thought played really well too. So figuring out the secondary rotation too.
1: Okay. Um, you think Anthony Bradford got Wally pipped? I mean, you know, is Emory Jones the new Lou Gehrig on the offensive line? You never know. <laughs>
3: Oh man, you're using references from the
1: the fifties from, 50s, from back, back in the day, day well Derrick. before, well before um, your time, before my time, but still, I I study history.
3: <laughs> yeah, I studied the history from about forty years before me too, so um, I didn't quite get that far. But yeah, it, it's it's going to be interesting. I think Emory Jones has earned a, has earned the right to to play in this New Mexico State game and to start in it, and then kind of go from there in Auburn if he pl- continues to play well, and then. You have Bradford probably fighting for that right guard spot with um, either – I know they just got Xavier Hill back. They're interested in him. Uh, but Miles Frazier has been the right guard uh, right. over there whenever they, they move Emory Jones out. So I, I think it's going to be the same starting five that we saw against Mississippi State um, on the offensive line. And then they can, um, they can evaluate how the New Mexico game goes and then go from there. So at that point you have four-game sample size and should be able to make the right decisions.
1: Everybody's talking about the outside. I, I think the biggest move they made, and this is not a knock on Garrett Dellinger, but but putting Charles Turner at the center spot, that's kind of answered all the questions to me.
3: Yeah, it's definitely cleaned up a lot. I think, uh, you know, whether it was from, uh, like I said before, a- asking uh, Dellinger to go to center and to snap the ball, make the calls, and just there's so much on your plate as a center that if you haven't played the position before, which he hadn't, uh, it's 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 asking a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I think getting Turner there, who did was the center throughout spring and early into fall, and so there's no questions that he's going to be able to uh, snap the ball effectively. And then I think he's just more comfortable making the call. So, yeah, his development and his ability to hold up in the Mississippi State game, I think, was one of the – I don't want to say it was a surprising development, but there were so many questions as to whether he would be able to hold up. And I thought he did a really solid job.
1: Um, Matt House got the game ball for his defensive plan against Mississippi State. Well Chronicle, they held them to 200 yards below their their season average. Um, what stood out to you defensively?
3: I, I think Coach Kelly uh, hit on it a little bit in the press conference. I thought they really disguised things well. And I I, I know I'm not a defensive coordinator, or a coach, or anything like that. But if I, I rewatched the game, and even during the game, I thought. On Mississippi State's fourth down, I thought Mississippi State had no idea what LSU was going to do. Whether they were going to to blitz, whether they were going to twist up front, like they were just always a step ahead. It felt like, and we have to remember Mississippi State not only returned a couple punts uh, for good field position, but also had good field position when LSU failed to go failed the, their fourth down conversions. And so, for the defense to hold up the way they did, and I think the secondary. To be on the same page, there were no busts, there was no Mm -hmm. miscommunications. Overall, I mean, you have that, and then defensive line I thought was was really good. Miles Frazier, B.J. Ogilari, yeah. and so on uh, were they? They just they were super impressive, very impressive.
1: Yeah, those edge rushers so stinking quick. That was uh, that was terrific. Um, uh, Brian Kelly, uh, as we continue with Matthew Bruni, go two four seven sports uh, says he's going to take a more hands on approach and help try to help Brian Polian with special teams. We see some good, and we've seen some bad. Um against the really good teams, you have some bad, it's gonna cost you a game. So um they've had good punts, they've had bad punts, they've had good kicks, they've had block kicks, they've had uh good <laughs> returns, they've had some ill advised choices of when when to return. And they they've they've given up some big plays uh defensively on the return game. So um that that's that's a point of emphasis this week as well, isn't it?
3: Yeah, I mean, you have to figure it out against New Mexico State in Week Four before you really get into the teeth of SEC competition. I mean, this is—if it goes any longer, this is borderline unacceptable uh, to have this amount of special teams uh, mistakes, no matter how small they are. um, You know, even though the the kick return got called back because of a hold, I mean, that still just should never happen. And so there's. Something on every facet. I mean, at least they're making their extra points now and it looks like they're blocking on field goals. So mm-hmm. that's, that's a positive. But other than that, I mean, they're, you, you hit on it. They're, every um, angle of special teams needs work, and I'm glad Coach Kelly is going to be a lot more hands-on because it's uh, not off to a good start, and it will lose them games, which it already has, but yeah. it will lose them another game if they don't fix,
1: Matthew fix it. Matthew Bruni, go to 247 Sports. says LSU found a running back now?
3: I I I hope so. I think Emory Goodwin as the one two punch is really what they need and I've never been the most high on Noah Kane. Um, you know, even whenever I watched his Penn State film I was a little skeptical. Mm-hmm. Um who who knows, maybe he gets back in the rotation at some point, but I think uh Emory and Goodwin as a one two punch is really, really um consistent and they check all the boxes. Emery was a good pass protector. Last game he can catch passes. Goodwin has the explosive ability, as we saw, to really to break runs, which Noah Cain and uh, Noah Kane definitely doesn't have. And then Emery, I think, is still working his way back into shape there. So I think that's the one-two punch moving forward, and I'm I'm really happy with. And then Josh Williams, obviously, you can yeah. throw in there at times as well.
1: Well, let's see if they can get a start like they had against Southern. Put this baby to bed early. Play a lot of people. Rest up because you got to go to the Plains. And who knows what's going to be waiting for them there? Uh, you know, Brian Harson's like the dead man walking. So who knows? If they lose to Missouri, they, they may pull to Harson what they did to Herm Edwards at Arizona State. Did you see that? He's walking yeah, off I the did, field. I they did. fire him at the goal line. Yeah, that
3: was that was really interesting where he just walked over there and the president and and they just had a conversation and he just walked
1: off. That was That like, Okay, so, well, he's gone. All right. He probably said, uh, how much are you going to pay me? Okay, when when do you want me to leave and what door do you want me to go out of? That's that's the new that's the new great line from Ed Orgeron. Instead of Go Tigers, yeah. it's uh, when do you want me to leave and what door do you want me to leave out of? Just give me my 17 million. Matthew Bernie, Go 247 Sports. Thank you, my man. It's not how you start, it's how you finish, baby. And you finish strong, so I appreciate it. (laughs) Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right, you take care. All right, we'll take a quick timeout. Randy McAvoy will join us next to talk about the AL West champion, Houston Astros, here on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles, your home for the Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana.
0: A recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes. Take that, taxes. This is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: The NFL action's in full swing at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Now, if that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100%. With payouts bigger than ever, why bet on football anywhere else? To make sure things get even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code 1037GAME. Get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code 1037GAME only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. Physically present in Louisiana. Select parishes only. Bonus issued as free bets. One boost Per eligible game, opt-in required. Parlay and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility and terms at DraftKings.com football terms. Licensing partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles. Gambling problem, call 1-877-770-STOP. Celebrations in Houston as the Astros clinched their fifth American League West title last night in six seasons. Beating the Rays for Zip at the Trop. Randy McElvoy, sports director for the NBC affiliate KPRC-TV in Houston since 2004. And our friend with the Astros joins us. Randy, thank you for the time, man. How how, how are the feelings in, in Houston over those Strohs now?
4: Hey, Jordy, I tell you, man, the, people are, the, the buzz has been there for several months yep. because of the start they had. Yep. and I think, to be honest with you, I think people were just like, okay, AOS title, that's great. But, you know, they've raised the bar so much over the last, You know, six or seven years, uh, you know, people expected this, and now they're just going to have to wait a couple more weeks to get things rolling in October. But, I mean, this is a great baseball city, as you know, and, um, you know, they feel like and most of us feel like that this team is built to to go the distance again. And, uh, you know, pitching so far has certainly carried this team all season long.
1: God, terrific. You know, look, they lose a Garrett Cole. They lose a George Springer. They lose a Cor- Carlos Correa yeah. in free agency the past few years. But the organization keeps winning. And that's what I want to talk about. From top to bottom, ownership, GM, head coach, scouting department, developmental, pro- uh, the minor leagues, the farm club. It just seems like, man, what a well-run, top-shelf organization.
4: Yeah, I mean Jim Crane's the owner, and uh, he he wants to win, and he committed when he came on. He said when he first took over the club, you know, they, they had some lean years, as everybody remembers. Yeah. And, yeah. But he was committed to winning back then, and he knew it'd be a hurdle to, to get to where they wanted. But he he committed to spending where needed. Uh, they they have lost some guys. There's no doubt. Uh, they've made runs to try to keep some guys, but. You know, you mentioned the names you just mentioned, Springer and uh, Garrett Cole. Some of those guys, they just couldn't—they couldn't compete uh, with the kind of deals they were going to get. That, that's just the fact. So they did the best they could to keep some other pieces of the core in place. You know, well, uh, Jose Altuve, obviously, uh, Alex Bregman got a longer-term deal done. Jordan Alvarez got a longer-term mm-hmm. deal done, and soon they're going to have to pay Kyle Tucker too. But that—that yeah. that they've committed. Uh, you know, from the the top. All the way through the farm system, and GM James Click is is you know given the reins to to do what's necessary to build this team. They've done that.
1: They've done a terrific job. Randy McElroy, kind enough to be with us. The Astros earned a buy in the AL Division Series. They'll have home field advantage now. Uh, their magic number to clinch the top seed overall in the America League is seven. The Astros are ninety-seven and fifty-one. The Yankees are eighty-eight and fifty-eight. Is this? Is this the most surprising year out of all the, I mean, they made the playoffs seven of the last eight years is because of losing Correa, because of the uncertainty of Justin Verlander coming off the injury, uh, the injury that he had. Um, is this the most surprising uh, one uh, to date?
4: I'd probably agree with that because uh, of the unknowns, uh, especially with Verlander. Nope. Just nobody really knows. I mean, when you're coming off Tommy John, you just don't know how the guy's going to react and, I mean, look what Verlander's done this year. I mean, uh, it's been amazing to watch what he's been able to accomplish at, at the age of what thirty-nine, I believe, and uh, maybe the best season he's ever had. Certainly, one of the one of the top ones for sure. And uh, you know, I think losing Correa was going to be a big question mark right. because uh, they just didn't know. They felt good long term about Jeremy Pena. I mean, if you look at the numbers that Peña's has turned in this year, I think that's been the surprise that he's been fairly steady uh, defensively. And, and certainly, you look at the numbers offensively, too, not far behind what Correa would have done with the bat anyway. And uh, But defensively, he's held his own, and that's been a big big plus for the Astros is the, is the job that Pange has done and mm-hmm. of course Norton Alvarez breaking out the way he has as well
1: Dusty Baker's done a great job too they got about a half a dozen uh, or more first timers on this club going to the playoffs is this going to be a uh, a tough playoff roster to fill i mean some people i got some pretty good players that may not even make the roster
4: Yeah, I mean, certainly on the pitching side, for sure. Like, that's going to be a big question mark, is who's who's going to get left off? They're just so deep pitching-wise. And you just mentioned the farm system a couple of minutes ago. And the, uh, the young kid they've got up now that I think he went three scoreless last night out of the bullpen, Hunter Brown. Uh, bright future, but like, what role will he have on this playoff roster? Is he going to a make it? Because it's not a lock. Mm-hmm. And if he does, is uh, you know, is his role going to be? And I think it will be uh, coming out of the the bullpen, uh, or maybe you know, sharing a start, so to speak, with a Luis Garcia. Maybe they can give you five or six, and mm-hmm. then have Hunter Brown come in. But that's one question right there, and there, there are it, there's going to be some tough decisions yeah. for Dusty Baker and Jim James. Click certainly on the on the pitching side. Really, I think the position guys are pretty much set. There might be one 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 or two guys that uh, that might be left off. But overall, I think that side is set. But uh, pitching yeah. I, it, they're just so deep this year.
1: That's a that's a great decision to have to to make with a team that's uh, going to win over a hundred games yet again. Um, if you had to pick the MVP of this club, who would you pick?
4: Wow. That's a good That's a good one because so many guys have played roles. Yep. Uh, when you look back and say, okay, he had an impact, this guy had an impact. I would probably say um, I'd probably go with uh, a guy like Jordan or maybe even a guy like Kyle Tucker. I think he stands okay. out if you look at a position player um, because – Altuve has been Altuve. You know what you're going to get out of him. Yeah. Bregman's had a good year, obviously, and man, he's had a really good three last three months with yes. Alex Bregman. Yes. He's tearing it up right now. He's, he's definitely locked in. Um, I would probably go with uh, MVP. I'd go with Jordan. Just the fact he, you know he missed a little time with some injuries, but the m- massive numbers he's put up, he's played DH, and he's been able to be out there in left field quite a bit as well. Uh, I'd probably go with Don, and, and right behind him, I think would be a Kyle Tucker. Uh, Tucker's approaching 100 RBIs if he's not there already. Take the Yankees.
1: And, uh, take the Yankees out of the equation, Rand. Is there a team that is in that that uh, that you're um, you know wary of come playoff time?
4: I guess the Astros. Uh, I, mean, I think it's going to be an interesting playoffs run, not only nationally but also American League. It's as good a season the Astros have had, it's not a lot because I like right. Toronto a lot. Yeah, I you know I like Tampa a lot, and they're going to be facing each other most likely in the wild card round to get a chance to even face the Astros. Um, I think Astros are are the best team right now, top to bottom. Um, but probably I would one of those teams, Tampa or Toronto, would be the one I'd be most concerned about. Uh, I think they match up well with the Yankees. Uh, okay, Yankees still have not. I mean, they they had that big slide, and you know they've recovered a little bit, but I, they're definitely not the team they were the first couple months of the season. No, but, they're on the Aaron um,
1: Judge watch. Uh, that's what they're yeah, exactly on. exactly. Know,
4: I do think it'll be Yankees, Astros and the ALCS, yeah. and uh, having that top seed, you know, uh, doesn't always play a factor. Twenty nineteen is perfect example when yeah. you, in the World Series, none of the home teams won a game. But uh, but I do think they're going to get there, and I mean, I think a lot of people, at least in Houston. Would love to see a rematch with the Dodgers. Absolutely. I think that's what a lot of people want. And uh, but I'm not rolling out of the Braves or, or the Mets either, man. It's just going to be a really fun playoff postseason.
1: Oh, Randy McElvoy, um H-Town is buzzing, man. Can you give me some of those uh, KPRC NBC tickets, man? Come on. Give me some. <laughs> just the one game. Hey, Come man, on, Randy. Help a, a brother out. out. You know
4: <laughs> Helping me, help me out, man. <laughs> like, we need to get you in. Yeah, and,
1: uh, I would love it. But but thank you for the time and go go. I mean, that's that's a great time for Houston, man. I greatly appreciate it, buddy. Thank you. You got it anytime, George. Hi, Randy McElvoy, kind enough to join us from H Town. Uh Astros Klinks to the AL West. First round by to the ALDS. Our number one is in the books. Coming up, our number two, Bob Rose of the Saints News Network will join us for another edition of the black and gold report should Jameis Winston have played and what about that Evans dude what a bum Blake Lavelle will join us at 14 southeastern will go around the southeastern conference and Alex Myers will join us from Golf Digest yes the President's Cup will have a preview of that one and boy I'm gonna tell you what the future of the United States golf is in great hands because uh they are young They are talented. Former LSU Tiger Sam Burns is on the club. Woo, Scotty Scheffler, uh, Xander Shoffley, just to name a few. Uh, It's quite a talented and loaded team. This is the Geordie Helper Show brought to you by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. If you can't shop right... At ShopRite, man, you just can't shop right at all because they've got everything at great prices. And you join their Buku Rewards Program and you're going to save in the store. You're going to save at the pump as well. Our number one's in the books. Our number two straight ahead here on The Jordy Helpert Show on the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and we are your home for the LSU Tigers. Big winner over Mississippi State and the Houston Astros, AL West Clinchers. We'll be right back.
0: Live and local. This is the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone is a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Hour
1: number two of two and away we go on this Tuesday, September 20th, the year 2022. Week two of the NFL is over. Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. Wow. Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles. Wow. Wow. Both winners on a double dip in Monday Night Football. But our next guest, as always, uh, was in the Caesars Superdome to watch that Tampa Bay win. Let's get to the Black and Gold Report. Let's go.
0: It's time for Jordy to march into some New Orleans Saints talk with Saints News Network's Bob Rose. Here is the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: James Mesh represented our station inside the Superdome. He's banned for life. Bob Rose was in the Superdome with his lovely wife. I'm not going to ban you, Bob, but, uh, boy, that was a tough one, buddy. How are you?
5: Hi, Jordy. I'm pretty well, uh, all except for Sunday, and you might not have to ban me. Uh, I told Lauren I think we're, uh, we're going to ban ourselves uh, from 1 o'clock apa- from noon appearances in the Caesar Superdome from now on.
1: Okay, a uh, couple of questions. we got ten minutes here, so let's get right to it. Should Jameis Winston have played?
5: Yes. Uh, yeah, as long as Jameis Winston can put up with the pain uh, and you know and make the throws that he has to, and that's a big question going forward with a back injury. yeah, uh, yeah he's he's still the best man for the job, uh, you know, if he's close to one hundred percent. But the question has to be asked and only the Saints and Jameis can answer this. How close is Jameis to one hundred percent? Yeah, that's what we need to know. What do you think of Mike Evans? Uh <laughs> Um, I'm trying to keep this as PG as possible. Uh, yeah, I, I think he's a cowardly, cheap shot artist of a player. Yeah. Uh, you know, a terrific receiver. Yeah. Uh, you know, physical wideout. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore is obviously in his head. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the fact that Evans only received a one game suspension Crazy. from the league for Sunday's transgressions, I think, is ridiculous. I think it needs to be a minimum of three. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I said, he, he's a cheap shot artist and a coward on the field.
1: Couldn't agree more. Um, where, where did this game go south? Was it the fact that the offense just couldn't get anything going? Was it the fact that the defense had very limited, if any, pressure on Tom Brady? Where, where do we Where do we start?
5: Uh, it's definitely both of those factors. But I'll tell you what: I started to get an ominous feeling in my gut when. Dennis Allen passed up the opportunity at the end of the first half to send Will Lutz out for a 57-yard field goal. Now, that's a tough field goal even for one of the best kickers in the league, uh, but you let the clock wind down. Your defense had Tom Brady and the Bucks' offense on the ropes, yeah. uh, and there were only 28 seconds left in the half if Lutz would have missed it. Uh, it I, I think it's a safe bet that if Sean Payton is on the sidelines, he takes a chance and has confidence in his kicker. What that told me is that Dennis allen was coaching scared against the tampa bay buccaneers and at that point forward I had an ominous feeling hmm. in my stomach because this was a, a, a defensive game battle on both sides of the football with points at a premium, and you know, you, you pass up the opportunity. I'm not definitely not going to be sure points, but yeah, you know, if Lutz is healthy and we saw him nail some, you know, the previous week, Lutz is healthy, you've got to take that chance. So I, yeah, I think it starts there, uh, and you know, the the offensive and defensive lines for New Orleans continue to be major major concerns for me.
1: I thought the big turning point in the game. The Saints finally got their running game going, and they were just pounding it down Tampa Bay's throat. Mark Ingram was terrific until, until he coughed up the football. I thought that was a turning point in the game.
5: Yeah, definitely. As far as momentum goes, that was the momentum shifter right there, and that happened you know, uh, early into the second half, as you pointed out. Uh, you know, so the team's confidence, I believe, had to already be shaky Yeah, uh, you know, after they passed up that field goal chance. But like you said, you know, the offense finally got some momentum. Uh, you know, they, they were being more physical than the Buccaneers at the line of scrimmage, and they, they cut through that defense, that Tampa Bay defense, like a hot knife through butter on that drive, uh, and to cough the ball up, you know, when you had short points, uh, a short chance for points at that point, uh, you know, that, that's when momentum definitely went south.
1: Bob Rose, Saints News Network. I hope the city, my my birth city, uh, treated you right. I hope you got some good food and now you're back in the friendly confines of your home. Where do the Saints go from here? I know it's only week three, but it seems to me You're taking on Carolina, a dangerous club because they're 0 and 2 and they're going back home. So you know they're looking for anything and any way to get a win. I hate to say must win this early in the season, but man, if you don't, you're one and two in your division and you barely snuck by Atlanta to get one win.
5: Yeah, and that's exactly why I will call it a must-win situation, Jordy. Uh, you know, if you open the season one and two, even if it is one and two in the division, uh, you know, you're not out of it by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but like you said, it took a miraculous comeback against the Falcons team that really outplayed you most of Week One. Uh, you fell apart in the second half uh, you know, against a bitter rival in Tampa Bay. Uh, you have to go to Carolina and come away with this victory uh, against the Panthers team that is going to be extremely physical with you. We know that about Carolina. Yeah. So the Saints have to match that physicality. Uh, you know, they have to take control of the, you know, the football game at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the football. Uh, you know, this is by no means a get-well game for New Orleans Saints, but uh, yeah, it, it it comes pretty close. It, yeah, they they have to come out of here with a victory, if you ask me. Uh,
1: Bob, we, we we thought the defense would be terrific, but what what's going on with the Saints' offense? What is the what is the issue here? Um, they just can't seem to get going, uh, and they wait too late to get going, and it it mm-hmm. it bit them in the derriere against Tampa Bay.
5: Yeah, it really did. Uh, yeah, schematically, the offensive line, specifically the interior offensive line, is still a huge problem. Uh, yeah, between communication issues and flat-out bad performances, uh, specifically by Cesar Ruiz first, uh, but also Andrus Pete. Uh, yeah, it, it's schematically, this team offensively does not seem to know what they want to be. Whether they want to be a smashmouth football team uh, and, and just attack you at the line of scrimmage with their running game and open up play action opportunities or whether they want to be an air it out football team take advantage of Jameis Winston's abilities as a passer and that fine talent that they have at wide receiver and until they establish who they want to be identity wise yeah. uh you know, they're they're going to continue to struggle uh and you know, to find footing uh against opponents that are going to come at them and try to whip them physically
1: does Michael Thomas need the ball more they they keep yes. throwing long to Chris Olave time after time after time. seems like they're trying to hit the home run ball doesn't Michael Thomas need to touch it more
5: he absolutely does uh and i i don't i didn't mind the strategy uh it, 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 taken a few deep shots with Alave, uh, and it was relatively successful in backing off Tampa, some of Tampa Bay's you know, blitz-happy scheme. Yeah. Uh, you know, but when you establish that you're willing and able to go downfield, whether you're successful or not, uh, you know, If you know, since they were close misses, that has to op- open up opportunities underneath for you. Whether it's Michael Thomas or Jarvis Landry or even for Alvin Kamara in the passing game when he's back on the field, you then have to feed the ball to those players playmakers underneath uh you know make that coverage creep back up and then take your deep shot again it reached a point in that football game on sunday uh where the saints were no longer trying to back off the buccaneers coverage uh they were just trying to get something cheap and you know and they were doing it with smoke and trying to do it with smoke and mirrors and that strategy as we know was extremely unsuccessful
1: we saw the best of Jameis winston in the fourth quarter against atlanta but i'm here to say that uh out of a total Of eight quarters. I've only seen one good quarter from him. Do you still think he's the answer? Or do the Saints need to go draft a quarterback?
5: It's way too early to answer that draft question yet, Jordy. Uh, He's Jameis Winston, again, if healthy. Uh, or if, even if res, relatively healthy, he's the best answer on the roster. Okay. Uh, yeah, so, folks, yeah, if Jameis Winston can suit up, they're not going to. You know, Dennis Allen's not going to replace him with Andy Dalton right. or Taysom Hill. Uh, yeah, Winston's passing ability still gives this offense the best chance to succeed. Uh, yeah, but yeah, just like Tampa Bay's defenders admitted uh, on Sunday, when they got up and got a little bit of momentum, the Jameis Winston they know. They were waiting for him to start forcing the football, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, That's why, in my opinion, the Saints need to establish control of the line of scrimmage first early in the football game uh, and give Jameis a little bit of a comfort zone uh, and margin for error. When Jameis Winston has no margin for error, he's going to force plays, uh, make bad throws, make bad decisions, and that's where we saw the game unravel on Sunday.
1: Hopefully Alvin Kamara uh, will be back and healthy again, I hope.
5: Yeah, and that's yeah, obviously, yeah, you mentioned Michael Thomas. Alvin Kamara is key. Yeah, they, they, Those two, Thomas and Kamara, are keys, 1A and 1B, to this Saints offense outside of you know the offensive line, of course. Uh, yeah, they're the best playmakers you have, uh, and yeah, they, you need them to be healthy. And most importantly, if you're key, Pete Carmichael, when they're on the field, you need them to be active. Uh, yeah, so the game plans have to center around them first and foremost.
1: All right, let's have some fun. Where did you go eat in my hometown? Give me a restaurant you went to
5: uh we we hit briquettes on the first night a uh, wonderful meal nice uh we hit emeralds on the second night nice uh g- game night we just we had to do something quick but delicious so we had walk-ons uh and mm-hmm. then we ended up our uh, our trip uh, our dinner trip uh with uh, ruth chris uh next to harris casino oh, one of my, delicious meals
1: one of my favorite places in the city it's such a fun atmosphere good for you good for you um all right so Saint-
5: uh, give the credit to Lauren Rose, my friend she uh, every vacation, every trip we have <laughs> I let her be the meal planner. I
1: love it. Saints beat the the, the panthers yes or no.
5: Yeah, Jordy, I think they do. Uh I think it's gonna be a close game. I think it's gonna be low scoring, but I do think the Saints go to Carolina and pull it out. All
1: right. You're not banned. Okay. We'll uh we'll let you go back. Uh I guess you go once a year, and that's terrific. So uh great. Uh we'll get back to our normal schedule next week, big guy. But it's just been a busy time and I know you just get back in town. So I appreciate you hopping on board with us. I really do.
5: I appreciate you juggling the schedule. Uh you know, we you and I always uh Get, get our timing down right, uh, you know, whether whether it's uh, off-kilter or not, but we figure it out, and I appreciate you. All right, all right
1: Bob Rose, St. Sue's at work. Thank you, buddy.
5: Thank you. Take care. We'll talk soon.
0: Tune in next week to the Jordy Holtberg Show for the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose, here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stanley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on it's Gordon. He'll look up at the Goner. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: With Monday's 4-0 win over the Tampa Bay Rays, the Houston Astros won the AL West crown, but the Astros had their sights on home field advantage. It will look to take a step closer tonight against the Rays' first pitch, Set for 5.40 p.m. and you can listen to it live on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Always great when we can welcome in our next guest from at 14 Southeastern as we take you around the SEC, and that's the one and only Mr. Blake Lavelle. Blake, good afternoon, man. How you doing, buddy? Yeah, doing well, Jordan. Good to talk to you as always. Always fun to talk to you. Um, man, I tell you what, uh, Georgia looks, whoo, they, they just... <laughs> impose their will and it's like a freight train out of control you you can't get in their way
2: yeah no they are uh clearly the best team in the country at this point they are just dominant uh in a lot of phases i'd say in most phases at this point and um you know when you're talking about a team's strength when when the conversation turns to will they give up uh either a point or a touchdown that's when you know you're dealing with a pretty good team and yeah. um i know georgia did against south carolina but they are the thing is, you know, you look at that game, and I know everybody's coming out of it saying, "Well, maybe South Carolina's not as good as we thought." To be honest with you, I think Georgia can do the same thing they did against South Carolina, maybe against half the SEC, yeah. just given how good they are. And um, but yeah, there's there's no doubt they are on another level right
1: now. They just uh, they are the new Alabama. It seems like to me they just they lose a lot of players to the NFL. They just reload. Their quarterback is much better because he's not looking over his shoulder anymore. And uh, my goodness, they are something. But let's talk about a team that. Wow. Um, in the first of what could be several must-wins, the Auburn Tigers are at home after getting shellacked <laughs> by Penn State, and here comes Missouri. Heaven forbid, if Auburn loses this one, how quick do they pull the plug on Brian Harson?
2: Yeah, they lose this one, and I think that's uh, it's already kind of heated up given how they played against Penn State, and of course with all the off-season stuff, but I tell you, if they lose this game at home <laughs> to Missouri, um there's there's going to be a lot working against them at that point because uh, this is a game I think you absolutely should win. To me, um, in all honesty, I think Missouri's probably the worst team in the league, and I think Vanderbilt's actually maybe a notch ahead of them now after Vandy made the, the switch to A.J. Swan at quarterback. But yeah. um, I, I just, for Auburn, their offense is just, it is what it is at this point. And, and everybody's kind of said, well, it'll get better. I'll be honest with you, I don't know how much better it gets just based on where they're at offensively. I mean I think they have a capable running game, but their passing offense just is not there. And um this is this is the hardest game of the week to be honest, Jordy, I feel like the pick because I think both teams have equally been bad in a lot of phases. Yeah. And I still think Auburn's the better team from a skill standpoint, but Boy, there is uh, not a lot of positive momentum for either one of these two heading into
1: it. You're right. It comes down to, I guess, which, uh, both teams are going to face adversity. Uh, it's it's a guarantee. So who's gonna who's gonna recover from it quickly and believe in themselves? I know it's an old cliche, but uh, mind over matter. Who's gonna actually believe and, and yeah. believe in their system and believe in their approach and Uh, Are the Auburn fans are they fed up and are they going to turn and and turn ugly on their team if things don't go well?
2: Yeah, I I think that's absolutely a possibility. Given what the rest of the schedule looks like for Auburn, that's the problem here. Is um, you know Auburn like (laughs) LSU and these like they're in the SEC West, and at this point there are no gimmicks in the SEC West. Like every game is going to be a a challenge, and I think when you look at it that way, you're playing what again. I think some people would say the worst team in the SEC in Missouri, if not, you know, the second worst team in the league. Uh, And if you don't win this game and you look at the rest of your schedule, good luck trying to figure out where those wins come from because I don't really see many
1: of them beyond this. Blake Lavelle at 14 Southeastern. What did you learn about LSU after watching them uh, get a – you know, trail by double digits and then end up winning by double digits over Mississippi State? Yeah,
2: I I thought I was very impressed because I think, you know, everybody, we know how it is in this era – were quick to overreact to one game. And I think after that opening game against Florida State, there were a lot of um, jumping to conclusions on a lot of different things. But I think when you 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 bounce back the way they did against Southern, I always say it, Jordy, it's like I want teams to beat teams the way they should. And I think Mm -hmm. that's what happened against Southern. That kind of shows you, okay, mentally they're able to bounce back. And then to be able to bounce back from getting down double digits against what I still think is a pretty quality Mississippi State team and to come back and win the game the way that they did there, that tells me that you are starting to see a team that's getting much more you know tough mentally than maybe where they were week one. And I think that's exactly what you want to see. You want to see them start to clean up some of the problems that they had early on. And we've seen that, and especially against Mississippi State. You know, I think with Daniels, obviously he gives you a lot of different ways to run your offense. I think he's certainly getting more comfortable in this offense mm-hmm. now. Um, and I just, yeah, I mean, we, we talked about it. I think going into the season, LSU's defense up front was going to give teams the problems, and I just, yeah, I mean, they, they to me, LSU and Ole Miss are the two teams, I think, that have the biggest week in terms of, I feel like now I have a much better grasp of what these teams are, and for LSU, being able to do that against an SEC opponent, um, that gives you a much better feel, I think, of where they're at. at
1: uh, Jaden Daniels has been terrific. LSU's defense held State 200 yards below their Season yeah. average. Um, that, that, that says an awful lot to me against a, a quarterback that was hitting nearly seventy-eight percent of his passes. Had a tough day. It was in the the mid-fifty percent range.
2: Yeah, and here's the like I think I probably said this. to You going the season? The four teams in the West that I thought. Where do you possibly put these teams? Yeah. That was LSU, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Auburn. I think we've seen a clear separation now. To me, I think I think LSU and Auburn or LSU and Ole Miss. Are right there a notch above probably Mississippi State. I think it's clear that Auburn's the fourth of that group. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that just kind of shows you know that separation that we've seen. And yeah, I, I think again, it, it's getting acclimated to a new coaching staff, getting experience in the system that they and how they want to play and how they approach things. And now three weeks in, I think they they've definitely got that feel of that. And obviously. Should be able to use that uh, for a lot more momentum this week against New Mexico.
1: Blake Lavelle's at 14 Southeastern. We're still in the month of September, which means we're going to have a lot of cupcake games. But we got two really, really good ones on the SEC slate. And that starts with uh, the, uh, the early afternoon game between the Florida Gators. They travel to good old Rocky Top to take on Tennessee. Some of that luster for Florida is worn off, but Tennessee keeps on keeping on. What do you think?
2: I tell you, I, and I know there's not a lot of people that may uh, believe this uh, outside of Tennessee fans, but I think this game has the potential to get ugly. And I think it's because I just I don't trust for offense at all at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I don't know what they're going to be able to do. And, look, this is going up against the Tennessee defense that I don't think is perfect by any means. But I think Tennessee will be able to, with their offense, knowing what they've done, and I know everyone can say, well, you know they've done it against Ball State, they've done it against Akron. But it goes back to what I said a minute ago, Jordy. I want to see teams beat teams the way they should, and not let teams hang around. Tennessee did that against Ball State and Akron. Florida let a South Florida team that, quite frankly, I don't think is very good, have a chance to beat them. You know, in the final stretch of that game last week. So, I I just think that these are two teams heading in different directions. I think Tennessee quite arguably could be the third best team in the league right now. Um, their offense is just it's clicking in every facet. Knowing this game is in Knoxville, I just love this setup for Tennessee. I think yeah. they could put up a lot of points here. And like I said, unless Anthony Richardson and that offense can find their groove again like they had early on against Utah, I just don't know exactly what to expect from the sport offense. And and trying to trust the Gators to keep up with a Tennessee team that has been spectacular offensively, that's a hard thing for me to do right uh, now.
1: I'm with you. Uh, teams have figured out one guy can't beat 11. Uh, Florida yeah. <laughs> needs some help, right? Uh, Richardson was unbelievable in the opener and now everybody's got tape and they're all seeing what he does and what the others don't do. Yeah, that's hard to compete, but the game, the game to me of the week is um, the fighting coach Pittman's uh, of Arkansas <laughs> heading into college station to take on Texas AM. huge game for both clubs. I think it would validate that the hogs are really legit and, If Texas A&M were to win this one home, I think it would erase uh, temporarily a little bit more so their their loss to App State. What do you think?
2: Yeah, this is where the hardcore football fans, if you want to watch great line play, like Arkansas' offensive line, against Texas A&M's defensive line, what a a matchup like that is when you consider the skill on both sides of the ball there. Um, That, to me, is going to be one of the big things that determines this because we know – what Arkansas has been able to do running the ball. I mean, they have just been fantastic. Sanders has been phenomenal, um, making a lot of big plays for them. Of course, K.J. Jefferson, we know what he can do, uh, both throwing and running. Um, But, you know, this A&M team, I know they came up with a big win last week, Jordy, against Miami. But I think we learned a couple things. I think we learned that the defense is clearly going to be the strength of this A&M team, and I think they'll be able to do a lot of things to perhaps push around Arkansas in some places just by using their defense to kind of slow down what they can do on the ground. But I also think that that was a game to me that maybe told me a bit more about Miami just in terms of all the missed opportunities they had in yes. that one. Um, I still don't feel like I have a great feel of what AM is going to be offensively. I know they made the quarterback change to Johnson and they did look a little bit better in terms of some of the things they were doing. But um, I, I don't know. Like I still wonder what the actual upside is of this offense long term. And, again, they're playing without some players last week against Miami to still be the top 15 team. You can't take anything away from A&M, but I still think Arkansas is the better team here. Uh, I think they have more of that big playability, which we've already seen. Again, whether that's Sanders, whether that's Jefferson, I just think they got more of those big-time playmakers that will make four of those kind of, you know, as we always say in the SEC, one big play can change everything. Arkansas has shown their ability to make those big plays. It'll be tougher against A&M's defense, but, I just think Arkansas is a better team, and I think they
1: win this one. I've always said teams that are pretty close, you know, just give me the team with the better quarterback, and the better quarterback's on Arkansas. Yeah. Um, and I think he's dangerous and can do a lot of good things. Um, we're talking with Blake Lavelle at 14 Southeastern. Um, you mentioned no Miss. Um, a lot of people sleeping on them still. Coach Kiffin says we've got to teach our players we got to understand what rat poison is he, You know, from the old Nick Saban thing. Um, what do you think of Ole Miss?
2: I tell you, I, I feel like I learned a lot about Ole Miss last week, and I will save that with the caveat that I knew Georgia Tech was going to struggle. Uh, their offense has not been good, but I, I was sort of surprised at how bad Georgia Tech was in that game, and I think Ole Miss had a lot to do with that. Um, I think that, you know, again, we talk about games you should win, and I think to go on the road, and I know Georgia Tech is nowhere near where they want to be. They're, they're just in a pretty bad spot right now in terms of rebuilding that program. But to win the game that Ole Miss did, I mean, their rushing attack, we talk about a team that is just, I think they've got one of the best backfields in the country in terms of they've got several different guys that can make those big-time plays. And even though they haven't necessarily figured out fully, I think, their quarterback situation. I just think Ole Miss is starting to show some things, certainly what their offense can do in running the ball. But I also think their defense, which we talked about a lot last season, we said, look, they've got to get better in this area. And I think we're starting to see that improvement when you look at what they've done thus far. Opponents have not been great. I don't think there's any doubt Ole Miss has the easiest schedule of anybody through this first month or so of of the SEC, uh, you know, out of all the SEC teams. But they're doing what they should do. And I think you have to give them some sort of credit for that. Uh, and a team that I I said I didn't have a great feel on heading into the season, mm-hmm. I feel like now we're starting to realize they are kind of one of those teams that they're certainly a top 25 team. Um, and I just want to see continue how that quarterback play progresses. And if they can get a really strong feel of that moving forward, their rushing, ta- rushing attack can be as good as anybody's. Um, so I think that's always going to give them a chance in these
1: games. I- like, I think I underestimated Lane Kiffin. I don't think I've given him enough I credit. He's a, he's a pretty darn <laughs> good too, coach. Jordy, so. You know?
2: Yeah. yeah he's I, I, I'm right there with you. I don't think I gave him enough credit heading any of the season, even after a couple of weeks. But I, I think last week, just watching them dominate, that, that can tell you as much about a team as anything, in my opinion. Just yeah. watching a team go out and dominate another one. So.
1: Yeah, Blake Lavelle at 14 Southeastern. Uh, Alabama had its issues against uh, Texas. They looked undisciplined. The most penalties under Nick Saban in a long, long time. What's the state of the program? What's the feel of this Alabama team? They beat up on UL Monroe. They'll beat up on Vanderbilt. Yeah. But what do you see in Alabama this year? I know they got a great quarterback. And as long as you got him, you're in every game, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, and the thing is, is like with Alabama, like you said, you know what you're going to get. Um, I think, and especially in these big games for the most part. I know that I just feel like the Texas game for whatever reason, that's just one of those just odd games that happens every, every now and then you're not going to see that same type of you know number of penalties and those kind of things. But you know, I think there's something we knew coming into the season. I don't know exactly you know what our full gauge was on it, but I think we understood like this wide receiver group is not going to be, you know, compared to some of these groups they've had in recent season. When you look at how many of those guys they sent to the NFL, And this is just one of those groups that I think was maybe going to take a little time for them to be able to kind of build up, um, you know, offensively some of the things that they've done in recent seasons. And I think that's where maybe they're not there just yet necessarily. Uh, But, you know, defensively, look, you know what you're getting from them. Um, They're still going to be able to, to force a lot of mistakes for opponents. And like you said, they beat up on Louisiana Monroe. They're going to probably do the same against Vanderbilt. Uh, even though A.J. Swan's stepping in at quarterback. <laughs> Welcome to the SEC, A.J. <laughs> Swan. Your first game as a starter in uh, the SEC is going to be on the road against Alabama. Yeah. Uh, what a That's not a not a fun way to start it off, but I think Alabama's fine. I still think, you know, they're right there behind Georgia in terms of the overall scheme of things, but like we said to start the discussion, I don't think Alabama is maybe to that point of um, being where Georgia's at at this point. I think that Georgia's still a, a step ahead, and we'll see You know, if Alabama can kind of get to that level too.
1: I'll get you go with one more. You got Georgia number one. You got Alabama number two in the SEC. Who's three, four, and five in your opinion? From what you've seen to date,
2: I will go Arkansas three. Uh, I still think you know their big playmaking ability gives them that that spot. And again, I talked about their offensive line, just their line play, which is not surprising with Sam Pittman. I'll go Arkansas three. I think it's very close between Arkansas at three, Tennessee at four, and I'll go Kentucky at five. Um, you know, and maybe that's underselling the Cats a bit, too, because I've been very impressed with what they've done. They're going to get Chris Rodriguez. they start running back back next week. Yeah. They're going to get even better offensively. Um, but, my goodness, you talk about those top five right there, those are some really good teams with what we've seen thus far. So I'll go Arkansas 3, Tennessee 4, Kentucky 5.
1: He is Blake Lavelle at 14 Southeastern. You're the best. Thank you so much, man. Enjoy uh, this week of uh, SEC football, my friend. Thank you. Thanks, Jordy. You too. All right. Uh, the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Takehouse at Cypress Bayou or a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 104 one the game.com it's free it's simple so go sign up today you know i love golf the president's cup is this weekend alex Myers, golf digest previews it next here on the Jordy healthberg show on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana sports station your home for the lsu tigers and the houston astros
0: great news my sports loving friend no more aimlessly searching for sports talk love by swiping left or right that's because you've already found the perfect match for sports talk love that is Now, back to the only lover you'll ever need. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Time is running out for you to score tickets to see the Houston Astros live in person. Go register in the Games Rewards Club to win four tickets to see Houston take on Tampa Bay Saturday, October 1st. We'll even throw in a tour of the ballpark, hotel accommodations that Saturday night as well. This is the last Astros weekend giveaway of the regular season. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Le Meridian Houston Downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Well, the stage is set for the 2022 President's Cup, where 24 of the PGA TOUR's top golfers, 12 from the U.S., 12 from around the world, except for Europe, will meet for the biennial matches. It wouldn't be a big golf match tournament without Alex Myers of Golf Digest to give us kind of a sneak peek into it. Alex, thanks for joining us, man. How are you?
6: You got it, Jordy. I'm I'm doing okay, man. How about yourself?
1: I love these kind of formats. I love the the setup. You love um, the team stuff. Yeah, yep, I love the too. team stuff. I want to <laughs> hear crowds screaming. I want to hear trash talking. Heck, yeah. I, I love it. I love it. Um, why hasn't the President's Cup garnered near the attention and the emotion you think that the Ryder Cup has?
6: Yeah, you know, I think there's two reasons for that. Uh, first off, uh, it just hasn't been a fair fight for the most part. Now. Early on in the comp- or pretty early on in the competition, the internationals had a heck of a squad. When you think about, you know, Ernie Els and VJ Singh and Nick Price at the end of his career, and then Adam Scott coming along at the beginning of his career, and Retief Goosen when he was winning those U.S. Opens, uh, and so they did win in '98, and they did have that tie in 2003. But other than that, the U.S. has won 11 times uh, against just the one loss and the one tie. So. It's tough to really get that into it. I know it was a close call um, in Australia a couple of years ago but uh, when Tiger was the player captain, but uh, it's just been really heavily dominated by the U.S. So that's reason number one. Reason number two is that unlike with Europe, um, and, and actually that began as Great Britain and Ireland at first, the Ryder Cup, th- there's not as much of a unity between... Uh, all the different countries uh-huh. that uh, you know are represented on the international teams. You don't have that same sense of, you know, we got to win one for our side that you do when it's Europe against the U.S. I mean, you know, obviously we've seen how into it the European players are. Uh, you know, they seemed to have like a, a, a huge wave of guys in the, the mid '80s and, and '90s, and then they had this recent wave of guys. Uh, you know, from Poulter to Westwood uh, mm-hmm. to Sergio, and they—they've kind of—they—they just—they—they they stick together so much better, and they're—they're they're always in it, and uh, and it, it, they, just, they just know who they're representing more. So there's more clear-cut boundaries. So I think from that perspective, um, the internet, the, the Europeans have always gotten more riled up for this event than the international players have, unfortunately. So that'd be the, That's the two reasons I think why it just hasn't, you know. Taken off as well. Obviously, it doesn't have quite the same history. It Doesn't go back as right, far. Right. But uh, it's still it's still a fun event, and it has produced some some very uh, you know dramatic finishes as well.
1: Give our audience and give me a history lesson. Who came up with the idea and why for the Presidents Cup? Well, you know,
6: I think th- th- this is the PGA Tour's uh, baby, and uh, you know, obviously the, the PGA of America runs the uh, the Ryder Cup. Um, and, and they kind of, you know, it's every two years. So you think, well, Hey, maybe we could do something in these off years. And, and again, around that time in the nineties, um, you know, I should have said Greg Norman, obviously, this is Greg Norman's heyday as well. We think about Greg Norman now with all the stuff, but, uh, you know, when Greg Norman was the number one player in the world, that's when this started, 1994. Um, and Nick Price was right there with him as well. So you kind of had, Hey, why, why aren't we having some of these great international players playing in any team matches so it made sense to kind of have the u.s um in the off year of the Ryder cup gone an international team because all these guys were, were popping up uh, whether it be from south africa or australia um you know so so that's kind of how it came along 1994 was the first one um and again uh, you know, it's the same thing it uh, you know the, the u.s hosts one year the internationals host another year obviously that can bounce all over the world um you know have gone to South Korea, gone to Australia, gone to South Africa, uh, gone to Canada uh, for this event. So you know it's it's a really it's a really cool event. um, You know when you think about how it was constructed and and what it could be. Just unfortunately, um, with the U.S. kind of having such a dominant run in it, um, I think. Fans just haven't really gravitated to it uh, as much as the Ryder Cup.
1: Who, who is the, um, on the the non-U.S. side, who's the top player that's been banned by playing in the Live Tour?
6: Well, he, you know, you could argue he's the top player in the world. That's Cameron Smith. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, obviously the reigning Open champ, the reigning Players Championship winner, um You know, he just won last week a live event for $4 bucks. So Cameron Smith, um, you know, he's number two in the world right now behind Scotty Scheffler. But certainly since the Masters, which he was dueling Scheffler, obviously on that Sunday, since then you'd probably say that Cameron Smith has been the best player in the world. So certainly that is uh, a huge blow for not only the national team, but this event. At large, and, and, you know, some other names here, Louis Oosthuizen, uh Mark Leishman, um, Abraham Anser, uh, Joaquin Neiman, young star who made his um, debut at the President's Cup uh, a couple years back in Australia. So uh, definitely Captain Trevor Immelman was hit with, uh, you know, tough time mm-hmm. when, when this kind of rule that uh, these live guys were going to be, be banned. Um, obviously, the U.S. has lost a ton of guys, too, from Dustin Johnson to Brooks Kepka yeah. to Bryson DeChambeau. But
1: Boy, I like they, that team.
6: Yeah, they, they just have such more replenishments on their side, whereas the international team at this moment um, doesn't quite have the depth. So, you know, while the U.S. can replace with with great players, I mean, uh, you know, Max Homa is going to make his debut. He yeah. just won again. He's won four times in the last um, year and a half. Uh, the, the international side just doesn't have that bench to turn to um, and, and draw. So, again, that's also good, probably going to hurt this week. Um, you know, guys wanting to tune in to see Cameron Smith, uh, to see Brooks Kepka to see Dustin Johnson. There, some, some people who aren't really quite aware of everything that's happened in pro golf with the live right. thing are probably going to say, why the heck aren't those guys playing? But, but that's why. They've, they uh, broke their PGA Tour agreements, and since this is a PGA Tour run event, uh, they have been banned. Now, what we, w- what we will wait to see, Jordy, is how this event's your favorite event, the Ryder right. Cup, next year. Right? Because as of now, the European side has been very straightforward. Like, if you go to live, you're, you're out of the Ryder Cup. I mean, we've seen the captain of the European team, <laughs> Henrik Stenson, leave and be stripped of yep. his captaincy. Yep. I mean, on the spot. So, uh, you know, it could change between now and then, but it looks like at least on the European side, you're, you're, you're not going to have any live guys involved. And then on the American side, again, that would be some of, you know, the Americans' biggest stars from from DJ to Brooks and, you know, Bryson, like I said, and then, mm-hmm. you know, Captain America, Patrick Reed. I mean, he's always one of those guys we like to see in these events. So but, but, uh, it's just unfortunate what's happened. And, and honestly, these events, seem to be taking the big, these team events might take the biggest hit uh, from live coming in and disrupting things.
1: The U S looks really good for the future with Scheffler and Burns and Shoffley yeah. and Morikawa and Thomas and Spieth and Cantley and Fina. Wow. <laughs> Loaded real quick. Tell me about the course.
6: Yeah. So uh, Quail Hollow, I mean, it's it's a course that uh, we've gotten used to seeing on the PGA tour. The, the, uh, the Wells Fargo event obviously is there pretty much every year. It, Moved uh, One time it moved because the PGA Championship was being held at Quail Hollow in 2017. That's when Justin Thomas won. Uh, you know, the, the most famous part of it are the final three holes, uh, 16 through 18, known as the Green Mile. It's a brutal mm. test of golf, uh, a very difficult par four, followed by a very difficult par three over water, and then a really tough finishing par four. Now, those three holes are going to be part of a – it's going to be rerouted this week because, as we know with match play, Jordy, Um, You don't always get to the 18th hole. So they want to make sure that the players play those holes during matches. Um, So those three holes are actually going to play as holes 13 through 15 this week. Yeah, so we'll get to see more of that. Those are, you know, again, those are some of these really brutal holes, um, especially with uh, alternate shot. (laughs) Those will be very difficult with guys putting – their teammates in, in difficult spots. So 13 through 15. So hopefully most or all the matches will uh, kind of get to that spot. The uh, the 18th hole now will be uh, what's usually the ninth hole. So, you know, we've seen that in other events, uh, the president's cup at Liberty national a few years ago, they did the same thing. They rerouted it based on, um, you know, wanting to get certain holes um, in the coverage. Uh, you don't want to have guys not play kind of the signature holes at these courses. So, But but other than that, you know, it's it's a good test. It's obviously a PGA Tour course. It's one that these guys are all very familiar with. Um, Length, obviously, always an advantage. But I would say even more so this week. But yes, U.S. very talented team. Very, I think it's the youngest team they've ever had. Um, Average world ranking about 11. Average world ranking for the international team, like in the 40s. So this. On paper, um, you know, if you're a gambling guy, the international team are seven to one odds Ooh. to win, which usually an event like this, even when there's a heavy favorite, maybe three to one is the underdog. Wow. Usually maybe be like two to one. But seven to one. Wow! Whew, that's uh, it's that's it's a heavy U.S. is a heavy, heavy, heavy
1: favorite. Favor. Uh, Alex Myers, Golf Digest. Can't thank you enough. Do me one favor next time you see Rory uh, McIlroy, ask him if he could loan me a couple of bucks. I think he's got a few in his <laughs> in his pocket, right? Just a I few. I
6: think he can afford it, Jordy. Yeah, <laughs> I, I will do. I thank you. Toss give me a toss me a couple. Thank as well. you very much.
1: <laughs> well, enjoy the Presidents Cup, buddy. Always great talking to you.
6: You got it. Thanks for having me all on. All right, here. Alex
1: Myers Golf Digest. We'll take our final time out of the day. We'll come back and wrap it all up here on the Jordy Helper Show on the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. NFL action is in full swing at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Now, if that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings' stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100% with payouts bigger than ever. Why bet on football anywhere else? And to make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code 1037GAME to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code 1037 game. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, physically present in Louisiana. Select parishes only. Bonus issued as free bets. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. Parlay and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility and terms at DraftKings.com slash football terms. Licensee partner, Golden Nugget Lake Charles. Gambling problem? Call 1-877-770-STOP. That's 1-877-770-786-STOP. Special thanks to our guest today, Matthew Bruni of Go247 Sports on all things LSU Tigers. Randy McElvoy is the Astros. Wrap up yet another division title, heading to the playoffs yet again. Can they get home field for a long, long time? That's the question. Bob Rose of the Saints News Network with the Black and Gold Report. Blake Lavelle, all things Southeastern Conference football. And Alex Myers with a preview of the President's Cup. If today is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share yours with... Former LSU Tiger. He's somewhere in the minor leagues of baseball. I think with the Atlanta Braves now. Uh, Kramer Robertson. 26 years old. Claim to fame. He is the son of one Kim Mulkey. So, happy birthday, Kramer Robertson. Tomorrow, hump day with Huguenin. As we look at uh, all things college football, more on the New Orleans Saints. More on the Tigers. More on the Cajuns. More on everything. So... Uh, James Mesh, thank you for all you do. Thanks to all of you for listening in whatever form or fashion that you do. Thanks to our partners, because without you, baby, we just couldn't get this thing done at all. So until tomorrow, I'm Jordy Heltberg. Stay thirsty, my friends. Uh, Let's uh, stay healthy, all right? That's the most important thing. Let's be kind to one another. And by all means, uh, let's all be happy. So long, everybody.